Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast Live. I am your host, Chris Patrick, and it is Tuesday, March 14th, 2023. And with me, as always, are my wonderful co-hosts, Michael Benjamin and VSP Tallman. How we living, fellas? Doing awesome, man. It's early. What, 5.30? I can't believe it. But we're getting started early. We got a lot to talk about, but we want to get this done before the Suns versus Bucks. I'm ready for this one. Huge matchup. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing good, guys. I almost uh, didn't make it to the stream tonight because I sprained my ankle in the kitchen. Oh, um, my goodness. But, you know, I was able to get all the way to the chair, and, um, you know, I figured out I'll be okay. So, Yeah, you were looking good in warm-ups. I thought, I thought you were going to be good to go. So glad to have you guys here. Uh, we got a nice, clean slate for you tonight. Of course, March Madness is kicking off tomorrow with the play-in tournament and the real action starting on Thursday. Of course, we got to talk about, as Tallman mentioned there, the KD ankle roll heard around the world. Uh, got a little bit of Cardinals offseason news, and then we'll round it out maybe with some Diamondbacks talk. And uh, Cor- Mr. Corbin Carroll with us here until 2030. Got to love those baseball contracts, man. But let's go ahead dive right into it head first. March Madness, man. Mike and I have been talking about this. We talked about it on PTO. March is primetime basketball season. You got the NBA season winding down, but most importantly, you have the NCAA tournament. So, Mike, I want to hear from you first. What are you thinking? Who do you like coming into this tournament this year? You know, I got three at the top of my list. And Chris and Tallman, I think you guys will be proud. I've actually filled out multiple brackets already. Normally, if I do do any, it's right at the last minute, but... Already got some filled out and figured out, you know, I'm sure it'll last for maybe 24 hours, uh, just like pretty much everybody's bracket. But I got three major ones, right? We got Alabama, as you can see in the south. Uh, I I just like their size. You know, Brandon Miller, they said he played through a groin injury in the SEC tournament, but he's a stud despite of all of his off-the-court antics that's kind of happened. Oof, we'll see what happens in the future with that. Uh, their guard, Javon Quinterly, big fan of him. He was one of those, you know, kind of overtime, uh, you know, posting all of his kind of antics in high school. It's crazy player. He actually, I think, is the creator of what people call Jelly Fam. You know, those sweet, smooth finger rolls, that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's cool to see him have success. Uh, So they're probably my favorite overall. Uh, But then, you know, I got to show love to our two Pac-12 schools that are on the higher uh, of the list. You know, UCLA senior Jaime Jaquez Jr. was the Pac-12 player of the year. Uh, I like their guard combos as well with Tiger Campbell. He's a three-time all-conference guy. And then their freshman, Amar Bailey. I don't know if you guys remember this or know this, but Drake and his mom had a little ting. You could remember that. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Drake was showing up to his high school games over at Sierra Canyon with Bronny James. Um, but and then, of course, I got to give some more love to, uh, you know, another Pac-12 school and hopefully one of our favorites here from Arizona, which is the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, questions I'm looking for for them is, you know, how do they utilize Omar Ballo down low? Um, Kirk Kreese, how does he shoot in the tournament? Because he's very streaky. And I'm always just wondering, he kind of sets the pace for their outside shooting. So how do those other players fall along with him? And then Tabellis, you know, how impactful is he? He was an AP second team All-American this year. 
star in the making, probably an NBA player as well. So lots of talent on that squad. But like we were talking about, Chris and PTO is how do they how do they lock it down defensively down the stretch? I mean, in that Pac-12 t- uh, tournament championship game, they almost gave it up to UCLA. So those are the three that I'm keeping an eye on. And of course, we got to give shout outs to ASU and GCU. GCU is going to have a tough matchup with Gonzaga. But to get the representation that Arizona had, man, we're putting Arizona on the map. I love it. Very exciting time. I mean, I was kind of, I didn't know that Grand Canyon had won their conference tournament on Selection Sunday. Um, I guess I was kind of behind the curve on that, but real awesome to see them here in the bracket. Like you said, three Arizona schools in the bracket. I mean, I got into a little uh, argument on Twitter with a user saying that ASU has to win to be in the tournament, but come on, man, the play-in is part of the tournament. Got to give them their credit where credit's due. They fought hard in the Pac-12 tournament, beating USC when really people were kind of writing them off. So I think that honestly is what got them into the tournament here. Uh, Going to be interesting because I know both of those teams, ASU and Grand Canyon, not very high hopes for them getting past their first games respectively. But it could be interesting. I mean, if you see there in, in that bracket there, I think it's in the West. There is a chance that if they win, if ASU wins two games and Grand Canyon somehow beats Gonzaga, they could play each other. I think that could be super interesting. So, Tallman, I know uh, we don't always bring you on for your basketball commentary, but I'm sure you'll be placing some bets here uh, in the March Madness tournament. You got your Devin Booker jersey on there. Uh, Just real quick before I do pass it over to you, uh, for those curious, Arizona is right now at plus 1,500 to win the whole thing and ASU is plus 50,000 to win the whole thing. So um, if you like a long shot, go ahead and bet ASU. But the favor, favorite favorite right now is Houston at plus 500 and uh, their stud down there, Jarris Walker. But Tallman, who do you like so far? Guys, I'm really liking Alabama. Um, that Brandon Miller, even though there's a lot of controversy around him, that kid can ball, man. I watched, uh, I don't watch a lot of, college basketball until March Madness. I'll I'll admit that. Um, But watching some of the tournaments um, over this past weekend and, you know, betting on them, I was watching him just play. He just took over the game um, in the last quarter. And I don't know, it's going to be hard to beat him. So I'm really liking Alabama. Um, Another sneaky one. um, I'm liking the Longhorns. Um, Where are they matched up on here? Texas. Uh, I think they're their fifth seed, Um, but they just whooped Kansas in that championship or in that final game over the weekend. And they just looked like they had it together. So if you're looking for kind of a sneaky pick, that's, that's who I would think. And I don't know what their odds are, but definitely no 50,000 like ASU. Uh, But I'm liking, I'm liking their odds to make a little run in the tournament. Um, I'm not going to give U of A any love. (laughs) Screw them. I was, I was going to use another word, but no love for them. Um, and then ASU, I mean, oh, man, um, if they can make it in, uh, past Nevada, which I wish I could watch the game tomorrow. Unfortunately, I can't. Um, but that first TCU matchup is going to be tough. But, man, they seem like they're pulling it together a little bit. And then to sit here and think we wouldn't even be talking about ASU if they didn't make that game winner uh, against U of A in Tucson, that pretty much put them in. It's insane to sit back and think, I mean, how long was that shot? We're going to look up. We're going to have to look up how long that shot was. But if that doesn't go in, they don't even make the dance. Um, another thing, did you guys see NAU almost made the tournament? 
they almost won. Was it the Big Sky uh, Conference? So they lost in the tournament final to Montana State, um, and they lost by seven points. And if they would have won, we would have had all four major programs represented in the tournament, which would have been awesome, uh, but they couldn't pull it out. But uh, I'm feeling Texas Longhorns. I think was it all right, all right, Mr. Uh, Mr. McConaughey. Um, and then Alabama, like uh, Mike said. Man, Tallman, Ben would be proud of your comments about Arizona. That's to say the least. <laughs> well, I did want to mention, because um, I think Ben told me about this, the interesting storyline with ASU's game against Nevada is that we actually had two players transfer to ASU from Nevada and that, or yeah, Nevada, right? It was Desmond Cambridge and Warren Washington. So kind of maybe uh, have a little unfinished business to, to get, get back at their old team. I don't know if there's any bad blood there or what the reason was for transferring. I mean, ASU is a kind of a bigger school when it comes to the college level, not necessarily been the case with basketball, but Definitely, I know I always love a good storyline, especially going into this tournament. Uh, I know you guys mentioned Brandon Miller of Alabama. I mean, just talking about some guys right now who are projected to be top 20 picks in the NBA draft this coming year. Um, of course, Jairus Walker, I mentioned out of Houston. Arkansas could also be sneaky. They have two guys projected top 15 in Nick Smith Jr. and Anthony Black. I, I don't know a whole lot about their game, full transparency, but just having two guys with that projection is, is pretty incredible and and similarly when we're talking top 20 projected in duke you have Derek whitehead and kyle filipowski who's a six foot 11 center duke um kind of taking a step back from where we're used to seeing them since uh, mike krzyzewski retired but mike out of these players um you know heading into the nba draft um this is kind of a time of year where your stock can rise or fall right with the with the tournament oh 100 i mean we saw it specifically with kemba walker and his run in uh, 2011, you know, that 11 game stint that he had through the Big East tournament and then taking UConn to the top definitely helped him push his stock to a higher first round pick. I mean, and he had a good career, don't get me wrong, but were we really thinking that a, a smaller guard of that uh, size and stature was going to be, you know, a top 15 or just a lottery pick in general? Probably not. So, this is the time. I mean, we've seen other guys, you know, get flyers higher in the first round as well. Another guy that comes to mind is Jimmer Fredette, who was a stud in college, oh, yeah. but it didn't translate to the NBA game, unfortunately. So Frank Kaminsky. There you go. The this U is the time, man. This is the time. I'm telling you, the lights are brightest in March. So I'm super excited to see some of these high profile guys and the future of the NBA because, you know, that's where I'm looking when I'm watching the tournament, I'm trying to see who might have the skills to be utilized in the NBA game and translate once the floor opens up a little bit more for some of these guys. Absolutely. Much, much bigger court for sure. So that's what I, I agree. I always look for that guys who are making an impact and really standing out above the pack. Mike, you mentioned you've done a couple brackets already. I just finished my first one. Uh, Tallman, have you done any brackets yet? I I did. Um, I just did a random one. I think on Fanduel or something. Okay. Uh, but it, I just went like crazy with it. I didn't really. I did. I did it in like probably two minutes. Um, and I, I picked UCLA to win the whole thing. I don't know why. What? Yeah. <laughs> you got to do a bracket where you just look at all the team mascots and figure out which one would like yeah, beat up or like, <laughs> or like kill the there other mascot. Oh. 
Oh, oh, that's right. I I placed a bet on UCLA to win it all. I d- I got one. I got an interesting yeah. little two a two team parlay with UCLA and uh, the Suns to win the championship. So I, could be an interesting did, one. That's what I did too. I threw in um, <laughs> all right. I threw in the the hockey champions and also baseball World Series winner too. Oh. Do you want to hear how ridiculous this is? Sure, sure. Real hold quick, on. what you got? All right, hold on. I, I got to scroll a lot. All right, well, he's scrolling. <laughs> it was a while ago. Michael Benjamin, he's got right. UCLA. Who who do you have winning it all in your bracket? In my bracket, the two that I did have were either Alabama or Arizona. That was just – the Arizona one was more of a homer for me. I come across my fingers that they can make it to the Sweet 16, but their defense is, is giving me chills a little bit, a little worried. But, sure. you know – the t- I like the t- whatever team comes out of the South might be it. And I know that that's not even the conference that people are saying or the part of the bracket that's like the killer bracket, right? That's the one with UCLA, but that's the one that I got so far. And we'll find out. I'm sure I'll end up doing a couple more because aren't we having a bracket challenge, Chris? Mike, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think this is a good time to tell you guys that we are going to be doing a bracket challenge through Run Your Pool. You can check the link down below in the description after this live stream ends. I hope you guys are watching on the playback, but we'll also be posting it all across our social medias. Quick shameless plug at AZ underscore VSP, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and Valley Sports plug on YouTube and Facebook. Tallman, you got that? Uh, those odds for that pick? Oh, yeah, it's bad. Um, so I did UCLA to win the tournament, the Suns to win the finals, the Bruins to win the Stanley, and then the Dodgers to win the World Series. And it was plus 324,000. Jeez, you're going to be sitting on that for a while, but hopefully it has some good cash out options for you if some of those start hitting. We'll see. Well, the the hardest one's going to be UCLA, which they probably won't win the tournament, but... It's always it's always tough to tell. I mean, uh, we all three picked different teams to win it all in the first bracket preliminary one I did. I got Grady Dick and the Kansas Jayhawks winning it all. Shout out Steven and Ben Miller. I know uh, Steven always puts Kansas to win it all in his bracket, but not a bad pick. I mean, hey, they're number one seed. Uh, when I'm going through, I often tend to go chalk a lot of the times, which I know isn't smart, but it is what it is. Anyway, Mike, Cody, Anything else you guys want to say about the March Madness tournament before we move on? I can't wait, man. Tomorrow can't be here soon enough. So we'll get through this big game tonight and then ASU tomorrow. Super excited. I'm going to need some text updates while I'm in my meeting tomorrow night. So you guys keep me updated on that ASU game. We'll keep you posted. All right. Starts at 610. You got it. (laughs) Yeah, this is the time of year when uh, they've they've done studies that work productivity drops drastically as people are either keeping tabs on their phone or literally watching the games. Don't tell my boss, but I'm going to have the games on. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into the sun's sadness portion of this live stream. Like Tallman mentioned at the top, Kevin Durant rolling his ankle. A lot of, I first, we all saw it. It was the ankle roll heard around the world. And the initial reports... This is going to be my rant section. The initial reports were that Kevin Durant slipped and hurt his ankle. And immediately you saw national figures, state media personalities, and just randos on Twitter all blaming the court attendants or the ball boys, as they like to call them, even though they're men in their 20s. Anyway, I just, 
you could you tell if you watched it two three times you could see that he just took a weird step and i even felt like him the way he was going up for that layup was super weird his ankle just folded and he he finished his warm-up but wasn't able to play and now we're hearing that he'll be reevaluated in i think three weeks from last week so probably about two more weeks left before he's evaluated again I personally wouldn't be surprised if they don't keep him out until the playoffs start, depending on how our projections looking. But Mike, man, we saw last night, just not a strong showing against the Warriors as we shot, I think four of 21 from the three point line. Oof. I mean, we started off super cold and we're in a pickle really early. I think we were down 43 to 21 after the first. The good thing is the Suns team, they still have resilience. They were able to fight back, but it was just too much of an uphill battle to really have any of a chance down the stretch. And, you know, to, uh, that's what I'm wondering about tonight, to be honest with you, because they used up so much energy last night trying to get back into that game. How much are they going to really have tonight on a back-to-back? And a back-to-back, mind you, where you have to travel. I hate that. I know it's only just from California back home, but, I mean, what time did that game finish last night? Those guys probably didn't get back till 2 a.m. It was late, yeah. I know NBA guys are used to the schedule, but for those kind of high-profile matchups to schedule them back-to-back like that with travel, just kind of odd. Um, But we've had plenty of questions about the NBA and their scheduling this year so far. I remember at the beginning of the year, we were playing, you know, it seemed like four opponents three straight times. But with KD in the situation, just a freak accident. It's it's so tough. It's there's nothing you can do about that. He's just going through his general warm-ups and steps the wrong way. You know, one thing I'll say is you know, you hear a lot of people saying, Well, why doesn't he wear mid-tops? And the NBA game isn't really like that. And, and if you play basketball and you know, you know, shoes as far as structure to hold off for kind of any kind of ankle support and that kind of stuff the shoes really don't do much right if you have ankle braces that stuff that's where you're going to get your your hold and i'm not going to lie man kd15s are the shoes that i've been playing in the past couple of months and i love them so much so stop blaming the shoes people wasn't the shoes and i'll echo your sentiments too chris the blame on the ball boys was just tough to see you know I have some friends who work there and they were texting me right when it happened. And, you know, they were getting death threats and, you know, people just attacking them. And for, for what guys, it's just a game. It's just a game. And the sad part about it is people, you know, specific guys on son's Twitter who kind of move the culture with that talk about how, well, it was just a joke. It was just a joke. But the, the problem is with, some of these people they take that to heart and their words were truthful now they're not going to go hunt down these kids but we got to do better sons fans like it's not the end all be all and the beautiful thing about this is KD's going to be back but it is tough to see that we only got three games out of him and now he's out for an extended amount of time again it's just like we're basically I think Devin Booker said, you know, we were ready to have the party, but we're just going to have to delay it. So that's where all Suns fans thoughts are right now. It's like, when are we really going to get to see what this team truly looks like? And at least we got that Mavs game because hell, that was exciting. So it was nice. I mean, we got a little taste. We got a nice little, what, four game preview of Kevin Durant and 
you had thought that once we got he got traded with the injury recovering from that then he started playing and you thought okay he's going to be good and so now it's just kind of feeds into that that old trope or whatever you call it of him being injury prone and I don't think that's necessarily fair because like you said, it's a freak accident. And even if it was a wet spot, still a freak accident. I mean, he popped right back up. I'm sure he wanted to play, but you got to be cautious because we want Kevin Durant for the long haul. We don't want to force him to play on a bum ankle and and end up injuring himself more. And you brought up a great point there, Mike, with the either going with mids or high tops. People are saying, why is he not wearing an ankle brace? And I watched an interview um, someone did with a former son's doctor. And he said that, yeah, it really doesn't make any difference. And it's mostly just a comfortability thing and almost a mental thing when people wear the high tops or the ankle braces. I mean, if you're rehabbing an injury or you have an existing injury, those things help for sure. I'm not going to sit here and act like I've never played with an ankle brace on, but it just happens guys. It happens. So we're going to get Katie back. We're going to make a playoff run. It is a little bit scary for me. I mean, looking at the standings here, you got a really tight race between the four and the 10 and you don't, we don't want the Suns to be one of those play in teams right now. Um, Minnesota is the seventh seed on the brink of getting back up into the six with 35 wins and we have 37. So they're just two and a half games behind us. Golden State and the Clippers are, are nipping at our heels. And so that was a big win for Golden State last night, getting that one over us. I mean, Tom, and I'll kick it over to you. How worried are you that the Suns might fall into that play-in tournament? You would be, so, all right, as a Suns fan, you'd be lying to yourself right now if you weren't just a little bit worried about it. Because we, like you guys said, we had that three-game span of, you know, KD and, oh my God, we looked unbeatable. And then now, I mean, I watched that Kings game over the weekend on Saturday and without him in there or with him in there, I think we win that game, but without him in there and how just terrible the bench has been, and we've had zero production from the bench. Um, it's, it's been horrible to watch, but out there against the Kings over the weekend, it was like that we're playing a team that was just so much hungry, so much hungrier and just wanted it way more than the Suns. that it was just, you know, we, we, Devin Booker couldn't do it all on his own, but if KD was out there with them, you know, they're probably going to win that game, but it's, it's scary. Like you said, yeah, I'm a little worried about it because we could be running into a little losing streak here. You know, you mentioned the schedule is difficult. You know, we could, I mean, what golden state, we're, we're only a game above golden state. You know, they could leapfrog us. I mean, we're looking tonight. I mean, I've been watching to see, you know, I'm waiting for Giannis to be ruled out because you guys talked about the ridiculous um, back-to-backs that they're doing. Um, and if Giannis is ruled out, then we should win that game. But we could go on a losing streak here, and we could be talking about a whole different playoff picture for the Suns. But we need KD, KD back at least with a couple games left to go because we might need some padding, and we're going to need his help to do that. And then I was looking um, – they ruled him, uh, what, reevaluating him in three weeks, and that was on the ninth. Did you guys notice that three weeks from the ninth, the game that he could potentially come back for is against the Thunder? So the mm. first game, remember, they flexed the ESPN to play uh, on that Friday night. It was against the Thunder, and he didn't play. And then the home game where he, you know, fell down on the floor like an old man, just kidding. Um, where he had the freak accident in warmups was against what team? The Thunder. And he might be coming back against the Thunder if they stick to that three weeks. So I thought that was kind of weird. Maybe it's a curse. They, they just don't want him to play against his former team. Um, but again, if you're a Suns fan, you are you have to be a little worried about where we're sitting right now. 
given some of these teams that we're going to be playing and just the lack of production from the bench. Um, it's, it's a little frightening, but if we can get KD in, I'm not scared at all for whatever the playoffs have for us, as long as he's healthy and ready to go. Um, but you saw that report was it James Jones came out and he said, if the playoffs started today, he'd be playing. So I'm not worried about it. As long as we don't slip too far in the standings, we're going to be okay. But it's just a little scary if we're really going to stick on that three week, uh, three week timeline. Right. And the biggest thing is, you know, with KD, everything changes, right? You know, he already, he was fitting like a glove within his three games that he played in. Devin Booker was averaging over 35. It all seemed like everything was right in the world. So we always have that little sample size to fall back upon. But like we've said in the past, this whole thing is going to be predicated on the health of these guys and not just only KD. You know, is Chris Paul going to be able to hold up through any kind of a playoff push? You know, is is Devin Booker going to have some weird hamstring injury that puts him out for a couple of games in a series? You know, a lot of luck has to go your way through the playoffs. I understand that. I mean, firsthand, we saw that in our 2021 finals run, right? You know, no Kawhi Leonard, no Jamal Murray. All of these things kind of fell the sun's way. So you have to cross your fingers for that. And exactly like you said, Tallman, it sounds like most of this, you know, holding off of him rejoining is, you know, precautionary to make sure that he's as healthy as it can be down the stretch. But exactly like you said, again, you, I do worry just about the seeding because from where this team started and then we had our downfall almost, you know, to ninth, 10th spot to reclaiming kind of in the upper half of the Western Conference, you just were hoping that you could hold steady. And I like the poll that you put out the other day, Chris, where it's like, how are we going to do these next four games? And we almost have to have the mindset of let's go 500, right? Let's stem the tide. Let's continue to win some games. Obviously we're going to lose some games because we got a pretty heavy schedule still this last month of the season. So just if we can stay out of the play in tournament, that's all you're hoping for and cross your fingers for at least the first round, you know, home court advantage in some case, but you know, that bench, you know, Torrey Craig's got to step up. Josh Okogie's got to be a little bit more consistent. Damian Lee's got to not play three minutes. I don't know what's going on with that in, in, in some cases, but the Suns team is going to figure it out. That's one thing that I'm not worried about. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, that's one thing that getting KD back doesn't solve is our bench depth and the inconsistent play that we've seen from them. I mean, even adding Terrence Ross, he's had a good game here and there. But like you mentioned, Tory Craig, Josh Okoge were freaking brick factories last night. I mean, the whole team was, so you can't really blame them. Uh, I mean, Tom, you mentioned James Jones' comments about if the playoffs started today, KD would be playing. I have no doubt about that. The playoffs is a whole nother beast. Guys will play through some ridiculous things. I mean, we hear it every year. One once, they're, once a team is eliminated, it's like, oh, he was playing with two blown ACLs and a broken ankle, but he still toughed it out. But you don't want that to be the case. So I think it's smart getting KD healthy, getting him right. But again, you are concerned because if we are in that play and it's just another hill, another obstacle we have to overcome. And you just start looking back and wondering, there's a handful of games that we probably should have won earlier in the year and a couple of bad runs where we lost three, four, five straight. 
And it's just not what you were expecting from a team of this caliber, even before the Kevin Durant trade. I mean, you see the success Mikel Bridges is having. It's like, did we unlock his full potential and then trade him? Or did we not utilize him to his full potential? I know he was starting to come into his own. And that might be something else to unpack at a later time. But it's going to be it's going to be something we keep an eye on these next 14 games um, or 13 after tonight. And I agree if we can if we can hopefully get a win tonight or even if we don't, we have to win the next two. I think it's against Orlando. And um, who do we play Sunday? Doesn't matter. We got to get it. <laughs> uh, Need we, it. We play the Thunder. The Thunder. Okay. But again, the you know, Thunder. Dude, that, and that's the thing. We were talking about that. I think uh, like three of our last 17 games of the season are going to be against the Thunder. Um, that one where KD should have played. This one coming up this week. And then you mentioned that game on the 30th. So should be interesting. But enough about the Suns. We're going to have plenty to talk about them as we roll into the playoffs and the end of the season here. I want to chat with you fellas a little bit about the Arizona Cardinals. John Gannon and Monty Austin Ford are at the wheel. They're making moves. We got the draft coming up here pretty soon and uh, had some interesting developments this week. But first, I just want to kind of, you know, highlight some of the the signings. At first, when uh, we were initially talking about uh, talking about the Cardinals, they hadn't really done anything. They came out yesterday, I think, was the first day where teams could start signing guys. And it seemed like the Cardinals were just sitting on their hands. And I, I kind of wondered about that. And I, for my money, I'm still not very impressed by the moves we've made so far i mean looks like we brought in a gannon guy i think his name's kaiser white on a two-year 11 million dollar deal we re-signed prater re-signed kelvin beecham and then i just saw we re-signed will hernandez so bringing back a lot of the same old did i miss anyone in that list i think that's the majority of the guys so far on the list and then obviously we've seen that we lost kind of one of those guys that we were hoping to keep zach allen going to the broncos Three years, $32.5 million with up to forty-five in escalations. I mean, that's a heavy, steep price for a guy who hasn't been able to play an entire NFL season. So not surprised that the Cardinals didn't fit the bill on that one. But it's a tough pill to swallow because he was starting to come into his own. He learned a lot from J.J. Watt these past two years, and I was excited to see kind of where he was going to go with those next steps. But we'll wish him the best with the Broncos, and he'll have more of the same with Vance, John, uh, Vance Joseph. So. Best of luck, man. Yeah, I mean, that the Denver Broncos have been making moves. They're investing in protecting Russell Westbrook and also on the defensive side. Tallman, I, what have you thought of the move so far and mostly just retaining talent and bringing in an unproven Gannon guy, if you will? Yeah, did you say Russell Westbrook? He said Russell, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook, right? He's changing sports. He might be oh, just as man. good as Russell Wilson. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, sorry, I um, question oh, was catch, reta- catch. was retaining um, talent on the roster, right? That was a question. Nod. Okay, um, I'm yes. gonna dis- I'm gonna disagree with uh, with Mike um, on the whole Zach Allen thing. Um, you, you mentioned that he hasn't completed a whole, uh, hasn't played an entire NFL season, but I mean he had the best season of you know arguably he was a top 10 uh, pass rusher last year and his uh, success rate and all that I think he only had five and a half sacks but I mean he was he's coming up and he's only 25 years old so he's one of our young guys you know and they keep doing this it's like a Hassan Reddick thing granted Hassan Reddick didn't have the same type of production but what happens when Zach Allen goes to Denver and he kicks ass like Hassan Reddick did and 
I mean, maybe it's the coaching staff and that past culture that we're going to blame if that does happen, but it's, it's not keeping your core young guys again. I mean, he was a third round pick and he panned out pretty well for a third round pick. So, and it comes back to the same thing. You don't want to pay him. What's the math on that? A three year, what does it come out yearly? Um, what is it like 12, 12 million? Yeah, right around, right around 11 to 12. 11 to 12. So if you're not going to pay him, there's always somebody else that is, you know, and then think about him as, as a player. I mean, he had that whole, all that, all that time in practice with um, JJ Watt, you know, he got to learn from arguably one of the best, best pass rushers in NFL history. And he has his best season and we were fa- we failed to retain him. So that is an immediate loss in my mind. Granted, I know you can't pay everybody. And this, I mean, you got to think about the cap space they had. I think we had 36 million coming into it. And they had some big, big players. For instance, uh, another name would be Byron Murphy. So you got to think, okay, if we're not going to pay Allen, they better fucking pay Byron Murphy. If they don't and they let him go, it's like, what, what are we doing? If you look at... Um, the cornerbacks we have signed on the roster right now, it's a, it's a little scary. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think bringing back Beecham was, was a great idea. Um, as him being an older guy, I'm surprised he wanted to finish out his, his career. Or I guess you would think somebody that old would want to go to somebody that is not on a bridge year next year, like the Cardinals are going to be, you know, we're not, we're not going to win the Super Bowl. You would think he'd want to ride out, you know, under the sunset horseback. Um, but great to have him back because I think he was the only player that played every single game last season for us. And he, he grew into becoming an outspoken uh, leader in the locker room, you know, which we know we're going to talk about, um, which is obvious from his uh, very critical comments about uh, the quarterback, Kyler Murray. But I think it was great bringing him back because we talked about last time we were on here, we, they had nine offensive linemen that were free agents. Like that's, that's crazy. That, that, that offensive line room is just so depleted. And of course, bringing back Will Hernandez, he's, he's a great guy too, to fill in, uh, but they still have a lot of work to do on that offensive line. And I don't know, I, again, I, I'm not super impressed with what they're doing. Obviously it's not super splashy. I'm curious to see what else they do as this progresses on, but, um, but yeah, I think those are the two big ones right there. Some of those offensive line guys. Um, and then um, a negative big one being losing Zach Allen. Yeah, no, good take Tallman. And I'm glad you brought up Kelvin Beecham there. Cause I'll, I want to play this for you here and uh, then get your reaction, Michael Bennett. Uh, Let's see, is it, did it work? Oh, I got to go to this view. There we go. So this was on 98.7, Kelvin Beecham. They posted this little clip on Twitter. He's got all the tools, you think? He has all the tools, man. Some guy can throw one leg. He can, you know, throw it a mile. Uh Passing anybody else on the field. He just lacks the leadership. He's put together. I didn't say he lacks the leadership. I just think he needs to grow up a little bit. Um, And I think ability and the willingness to grow they paid him because of his talent and he has the ability to lead it's just when you're in that position we need you to lead more he just needs to grow up a little bit and he just needs to lead more not saying he's not a good leader mike what do you think of that you know i heard all about this but i didn't really see or listen to this until you sent it to me earlier today chris and the first thing I kind of thought was, I feel like Kelvin Beecher might be the guy who actually says something that a lot of people have similar feelings about. He just has the balls to actually do it. <laughs> you know, he's a professional in this game. He's been around for a long time, 33-year-old guy. 
you know, getting a two-year two-year deal. Within that, he said he's hoping to play maybe five more years. So this might not be his final contract, but we'll see. The health, you know, always depends on that kind of stuff. But I think one of the reasons I didn't look at it is because when it first came out is because I'm just kind of tired about the talk about Kyler Murray and his general leadership aspects. You know, we already had the big fiasco with Patrick Peterson where K1 went back to him and he's like, yo, I thought you were my big bro and you dogging me for more clicks on your podcast. And then, you know, just general conversations about how Kyler Murray isn't the leader that we were hoping for or, you know, he's spending too much time not focusing on football with all this other stuff. And I I just needed a breather because you're talking about a guy who just, you know, went through the worst injury of his professional or sporting life. You know, he's never had anything to the severity of an ACL injury. And for the amount of money that we paid him, he's our guy. He's our franchise quarterback. So I need his mind set straight and and, and moving forward. But sometimes guys need to hear it from the people in their room, the people in their locker room, the people that are in the trenches with them on a daily basis to really, you know, take an introspective look and maybe think to themselves, this might be something that I need to work on, you know, because these guys, these professional athletes, yeah, we're all not saying that we're kind of any standard or to a level of, you know, um, a Stephen A. Smith or who's the crazy cuckoo guy who's always wearing the Jordans, who was back in the Suns, old guy, Skip Bayless. Bayless yeah. You know, those guys have crazy takes and are always dogging on guys and you know, it becomes white noise after a while. But when you have a teammate, an offensive lineman, a guy who you have to work with day in, day out, say something like that, you know, it could bring something to light for Kyler Murray. But are we surprised that that's his feeling? I don't think so. I mean, we've had plenty of these kind of conversations where we talked about it was time for Kyler Murray to become the leader, not only on the football field, but outside of it as well. And you know, maybe this new regime is just what he needed as well, not only just the Cardinals and this fan base. So I'm okay with what he said. I know he got a lot of flack for it, and a lot of people were like, wow, I'm very surprised that he ended up coming back to the Cardinals. But, you know, I'm okay with it at the end of the day. I am too. And, you know, I, I don't think it was malicious because he said he's not saying he isn't a leader and he, it sounds like he thinks he's capable of doing it, but he just wants to see more. And Tom, and when he says he needs to grow up a little bit, it's not his height. He's not going to get any taller. He's talking about like maturity and things like that. So it, it could be, it could be a good thing. I mean, some people might say, oh, you should handle this in house. You shouldn't be saying that on national media. But I think for a lot of frustrated Cardinals fans, it's good to hear somebody that's in the trenches echoing the sentiment of the fan base. Uh, would you agree with that, Tallman? And, and are you cool with his comments? Well, okay, I got like two different. I had two different views on it. Um, well, first, I, I loved um, I loved uh, Gambo in there putting words in his mouth. I didn't say he lacked leadership. That was I was laughing at that. Um, I didn't know there's a video either. That's good shit. Um, so, but the first my first point of view on this is. I mean, why are we even hearing this at this point in his contract or excuse me, in his professional career? What what year is it? It's year shit. I can't even remember because it's been so long. We shouldn't be hearing about this 
about a guy that's been in the league for so long who is the face of the franchise of a franchise, not even talking about just talking about someone in a general, a general view here. I mean, he's, he's too, he's not a rookie. He's not a kid anymore. You know, it's, it's concerning that we're hearing this right now, given the stage of where he's at in his NFL career. And he's, he's the one doing that to himself. Oh, it was the fifth season coming up. So, I mean, come on. Uh, if it was year two, yeah, okay. You know, or going into year three, yeah, sure. You know, but we're going into the fifth year here. I mean, there's no more excuses for him. And he's doing this to himself. I mean, I, I wish, and you would have thought we would have learned this from uh, the HBO Hard Knocks thing, but, you know, he he wasn't really involved a lot in that. You know, like, w- what is that facility like? Is Is he just a shadow? Do you not even see him? Does he not even like, does he not command? Okay. Command the room's the wrong thing. He's never going to do that, but I just want to be a fly in the wall and see how he interacts when he walks through that facility, when he walks by, when he walks uh, by his teammates and his coach, is he somebody that's, you know, uplifting and, you know, bringing energy into the room or is he just got his headphones on doing his own thing, you know? And, and if I had to be a betting man, which I am, I'm betting on the second part, the second take there, he probably just keeps to his own, but I don't know that none of us do. Right. So he's doing it to himself. The second part here, you guys saw what, what Hollywood Brown came out and said, right. In response to it. Not. So, so he, he came out. Do you want me to read the quote? Please. I'm going to sound stupid reading it. Um, all right. I quote, I ain't never seen this much collusion from within. We got each other number, but steady get on podcast or tweet expletive. It'll be different if it was addressed in person first, cause Kyler Murray ain't never public bash or talk down anybody, even after years of running for his life. And he, I think he used a different way to describe running from his life from not having anyone block for him on the offensive line. So I, when I first heard these things from uh, Beecham, I figured there's no way he's coming back. You know, he's out here like, like he just won the lottery and he's saying, you know, see you later to his uh, nine to five job. That's what it seemed like to me. And again, I already said, I'm glad he's back, but that's why I'm taking that other side. I know you guys said you're cool with it. I mean, I wish he would have went differently about it where, you know, it does sound like, you know, at first glance that he's, kind of bashing Kyler Murray. It, it definitely does. It doesn't really sound like he's being constructive. And again, we don't know what his relationship is like with Kyler Murray. They might be super close and he might be like a big brother to him, right? We don't know that. But I think you, you, you never like to see it come out in the media. You know, it's just more adding more stuff to the fire around the dumpster fire of the Arizona Cardinals, more dysfunction where all these other teams are going to be looking in like, huh, there you go, you know. They, they gave this guy a quarter of a million dollars and he's not even a leader. And you have people coming out in the media, you know, basically blasting him for it. So I wish it didn't come out like that. Or I wish he took a different approach, more of like a teammate approach, especially because, you know, he's here for two more years. You know, it just doesn't look good overall. And I don't know. It, it seemed like he wasn't coming back when he said those things. But now he is. I wish he would have did it differently. Sorry to be long winded. Oh, and I'll correct you. I wish we only gave him a quarter million dollars. We gave him a quarter billion dollars. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> a quarter billion. That's what I that's what I meant. No, you're right. 
Damn, I was way off on that. Mike, you look like you got something to say. Yeah, I think it still could be kind of like just a trickle-down effect from the previous regime. I mean, Kelvin Beecham even addressed all of the nonsensical stuff that happened last year from Sean Coogler to, you know, the instances, you know, off the field, all of the stuff. And you can even go back to, you know, how Kyler Murray portrays himself on the field in front of everybody, yelling at his head coach, yelling at his number one wide receiver. So I I don't think these guys have had enough time. And he specifically said, you know, he hasn't really had much discourse with, you know, Monty Austin Ford and Jonathan Gannon, either than probably, you know, your necessities, handshakes, and now signing of the contract. But it's just going to take some time to get that stench out of here, you know, and, and the wrong way that this Cardinals franchise handled business the previous couple of years, maybe this was kind of like the last hurrah of that. You know what I'm saying? He just put it out there. He, he said his final piece and he's moving forward. And Tomlin, you do, you know, bring up a great point. You know, what is his relationship really like with Kyler Murray? I mean, it must be okay. The guy re-signed for two years, knowing that Kyler Murray is the franchise quarterback. So, obviously, you don't want that kind of stuff truly aired out. But the, I'll go back to your other point. We're going into year five, and this guy is yelling at his head coach last just last year. Sometimes you just need to be told that it's time to grow up. Because it happened multiple times last year. And... I don't know where to go from there, you know, either than somebody holding accountability because obviously the previous regime didn't do that. And that's why they're no longer around, but it's time to just get this stench out the door, open up a window, freaking put some Febreze in the air. It's time to move forward. This team has so much work to do just to put a roster together. You know, we could go back to talking about, we lose Zach Allen, and for God's sake, Tallman, I'm with you once again. It seems like I'm with Tallman a lot today, even though he was against me earlier. Signing Byron Murphy has become a, an absolute necessity. If you're not going to pay Zach Allen $11 million a year, sounds like Byron could get anywhere from 13 to $16 mil a year. But there's also like 60 spots that this team has to fill out to get to that 90-man spot before going into training camp. There's just a lot of things that have to go into fruition. We're still talking about what's going to happen with DeAndre Hopkins. Are we going to end up trading down from the third overall pick? I know we were hearing some things about possibly flipping with the Indianapolis Colts and maybe getting their early second rounder, adding more draft capital. We're in total rebuild mode, guys. That's the true factor with this team right now. So there's just more questions than answers. And, you know, hopefully, you know, our main guys can start pushing this thing forward where we need it to go because this can't be a three to four year rebuild, man. This maybe needs to be, well, let's figure it out this year. Obviously, Monty Ossifort and Jonathan Gannon came in a little bit later, so you don't have all your scouting department. You're just trying to kind of figure out what kind of unit you want to be. Then you go into next year's draft class, really get things solidified, and you're ready to go from there. Like, it's a one-year grace period at this point. And if not, I don't know.
heads have got to roll you guys are on the money tonight and i just want to take a second to respond to some of the great points you guys made i mean cliff kingsbury and steve kime really did a number on this franchise man and i think set us back a long way like you said the expectations right now are rock bottom we've been saying just win two home games win six games this season and that is not the expectations you want to have for your team Tom, and I'm really glad you brought up that Hollywood Brown quote. And I think, honestly, he needs to grow up a little bit because using the offensive line as a scapegoat is just absolute bullshit. Kyler's been running around in circles since high school, since college, and it has nothing to do with the offensive line. The man can't go under center because he can't see over the center. And so to so just blame the offensive line, I mean, sure, like I said, there's the conversation to be had as to whether he should have made those comments in public or in private. And I wouldn't doubt it if they've had a one-on-one -on -one conversation since those comments were made because I don't think it was malicious I think it was very a matter of fact and Kyler I'm sorry the truth hurts sometimes you need that tough love man and so there's just going to be a lot of things we keep an eye on and one of those things for me is how much will uh, Jonathan Gannon hold Kyler Murray accountable the first bitch fit he throws excuse my language and he's pouting on the sideline is he going to get a stern talking to either public or private and is it going to persist because this is make or break, man. You've got the money, Kyler. Now you got to show that you're the leader. And Tallman, to your point, man, is he coming in the facility with his head down and his earphones on, not being a team guy? I mean, for better or worse, the quarterback is the leader of the offense and really the whole team when it comes down to it. But last thing I want to say about the Arizona Cardinals before we move on and maybe get your guys' quick reaction to it. We talk about the facilities and a report came out. They did a survey, I think, of all the NFL players and um, – active and whatnot. And I'll just go down this list as far. Th these are the Cardinals grades for the following treatment of families F tied for 29th food service and nutrition F minus tied for 30th, the weight room F minus 30, 32nd strength staff got an A tied for 17th training room F minus tied for 30th training staff B plus tied for 22nd locker room F 31st and team travel B plus tied for 12th. So some bright spots in there talking about the strength staff, training staff and the, and the travel, but man, the, the treatment of families, the weight room, the training room, the locker room, all getting bad grades. And Bidwell did come out and say it's all a load of crap, but I do believe that Bidwell's kind of shown to be a cheap ass. What, what is your kind of reaction to that Tallman? I'll kick it over to you first. Him being a cheap ass. I mean, I mean, he did buy the plane, and I, I don't know. I mean, you got to think how much this whole the whole uh, Super Bowl and whatnot did financially for him as well. Um, he seems like, I, I don't know. I, the only reason I could call him a cheap ass is because we don't make big splash plays, and, you know, we, we don't, you know, sign these – we don't sign a bunch of free agents. And, you know, I know there's a cap number, but there's still amount of money that goes into what, what they're paying players and whatnot. Um, I think, uh, so I don't know. It, he's got a lot of work to do. Um, obviously this report came out. Um, it's going to hurt them in free agency. If, if you got to choose between similar money for two different teams that are not going to be really gunning for a playoff, a playoff, us, um, playoff run this year. I mean, you're going to pick probably the team that has the better, uh, amenities and stuff for the players. But then I was reading into that. It's like treatment of family. I don't think they're like, fuck you, hate your family. I think it's more, um, like they don't, they don't have a daycare, I think was one of the things that a lot of the teams have a daycare for like the players, kids where the Cardinals don't offer that. So I think that played a big role into them getting that treatment of families where, 
Um, you, it's kind of broad. It's like, what, what goes into that? Um, but it really sounds like they need to shell out some money and we need to get a new, a new facility out there. Um, we're, they're getting a bunch of heat. And I think we talked about it before from the HBO, uh, hard knocks where they used the same, um, the team meeting room was the same as the press conference room. And they really just need to upgrade that facility. Um, but it, that report card is what we're going to call it does make it seem like he is a little of a cheap ass. Um, and he's got some work to do because this is really going to be hurting us when players are looking at destinations where they could possibly sign at. Yeah. And along, along those other reports that were coming out in relation to that, I didn't know that about the treatment of families. I mean, it makes sense. I didn't think they were just like putting all the families up in the nosebleeds or something, but uh, it was about the food service and nutrition, basically saying that they were having paycheck deductions for meals at the facility and even during the off season. And they're the only team in the NFL that does that. Bidwell, you're buying a plane. Why aren't you buying a freaking meal? Like a $15 meal for the $20 meal for these guys. Like it can't be make or break for you at that point. That was the one that struck a chord with me, the payroll deductions for food. I mean, you got to feed your players, man. That's crazy. There's a reason that they're the only ones that don't do it. That should just be a non-factor, a non-issue, something that you don't even think about. But he's got some work to do. And hey, it might just be a, a family thing. You know, his dad was notorious for being cheap. He didn't want to pay anybody, but I will give Michael Bidwell credit. He has started to change the narrative over the past probably two decades. I mean, he paid Patrick Peterson. He paid Larry Fitzgerald. He gave Larry Fitzgerald his $11 million a year, you know, situations down the end of his uh, career because he understood that he was a Cardinal all-time great. He paid Chandler Jones. So we're just focusing on the sample sizes of, you know, all, almost specifically two guys in Hassan Reddick and Zach Allen that we didn't pay. And I'm sure there's others that have gone along the way, but he has shelled out the dough. But maybe he can't pay for food because he has to pay Cliff Kingsbury $40 million of freaking eating, <laughs> freaking coaching money. That's a great point. So the only thing is, I think this is the first time that they've done this study for the NFL as a whole. So the numbers don't lie. And I don't think these guys are just saying nonsense to say nonsense. So it's eye opening and it's something that has to be addressed. And I have faith that they will. It shouldn't be hard to update your facilities and figure out how to add a room for the families waiting and different things like that. Those are things that can be corrected. The bigger issues is how the play on the field and the people that you bring in and you know, exactly. You might lose free agents because of it right now, but if you turn the tide and you figure things out, I think you're going to just be fine because at the end of the day, money talks, baby. And whoever is talking the loudest in regards to that, you're going to get guys at the end of the day. 100%. And it sounds like Bidwell took this to heart. So I agree. I think changes are going to come. I mean, you want Arizona for all sports teams to be more than just a pre-retirement destination. You want to be you want it to be a place where you can come and win a championship. So like I said, with the Suns, we're going to keep a tab on the Cardinals. We got the draft right around the corner, and it seems like the NFL offseason never starts. And before you know it, it'll be August and we'll be playing games again. But before we talk about the Diamondbacks, I did just want to share this guy with you guys, see if you saw it. Um, while we're talking about our boy Patrick, 
Now I have to deal with him as he is a Pittsburgh Steeler and posted this on his Twitter. Do you guys see what's wrong with this picture? Number Anybody? seven? Who's number seven? I, yeah, don't, who? I don't know who's number seven. No, Nobody yeah, who was very good for the Steelers, right? No, never. No, nah, no, nah, definitely not a, a two-time Super Bowl champion. <laughs> ben Roethlisberger was number seven. And this is still up on his Twitter. I mean, I, I haven't looked at the comments. I hope he's getting roasted, but... Come on, Pat P. Come on, man. That's not a good way to uh, kick things off with Steelers Nation. I mean, I'm glad to see you're uh, ready to get to work, but just pray for me, guys. So, you know, I'm going to say one quick thing because I know we've had our rants. Where I specifically had my rants about Patrick Peterson, and I don't want to talk about him for a long time anymore. But the guy's clueless, man. I think that's just what it is at the end of the day. He's out of touch for a person who is supposed to have a a, a kind of national presence with his podcast my goodness does he just not understand for you to post a photoshop photo with number seven on there what two years after your yeah. one of your top three quarterbacks of all time retires i mean those are little things i i get it but he just he don't have a clue no more man that's that's just all i'll say about patrick peterson good luck chris good luck Thank you Thank you. I, I've been talking to Matt, uh, my brother. He seems pretty optimistic about it, but I don't think he really understands the real Patrick Peterson. Like you said, they're kind of out of touch. And at the cornerback position, when you're an older guy, you're just you, you're a step slow and um, not always the best situation. There's a reason the Vikings didn't re-sign him, and there's a reason he moved on from the Cardinals, but that's besides the fact. The last thing I wanted to talk about, fellas, before we head out to watch this Suns game is the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're finishing up training camp here in the next couple weeks. We'll be doing a preseason MLB special coming up in about two weeks, I think. Uh, we're hoping to have some special guests on and, and some knowledgeable guys and fans from around the league. So look forward to that. But we got some big breaking news this past week. The Diamondbacks signed Corbin Carroll to an eight-year extension worth $134 million, 111 of that guaranteed. Uh, got a lot of promise so far. It seems like the reports have been really promising. We've got a strengthened bullpen. We got Alec Thomas coming back. He's playing for Team Mexico right now in the World Baseball Classic and doing pretty good from what I was seeing. So, Tallman, I know uh, you uh, kind of tend to keep tabs on baseball a little bit more than maybe I do. Uh, have you been hearing anything about the Diamondbacks outlook coming up or maybe what your reaction is to the Corbin Carroll's extension? Yeah, I have been watching any of the spring training games just because I hate spring training. It's like watching preseason football. It's just so annoying. Um, but we'll touch on the Corbin Carroll one real quick. Um, that is an absolutely absolute home run. And I mean, you could sit there and be like, how do you pay? How do you give this contract to a kid that's, I think 22 years old and he's only played 32 or 33 major league baseball games in his entire life. And he's getting an eight year and $111 million uh, deal and a hundred, 111 million. Holy shit. Um, is a lot of money. Right. But this is going to be how the, how the, I almost said the Cardinals, how the Dimebacks have to um, contend in this, in this league. And until or unless now I'm going to say, I'm not going to say until, but unless they put some type of salary cap in, you know, this is, they're going to have to take shots on these people. You know, they're going to have to try to hit on these draft picks, have a prospect they believe in, and they're going to have to try to lock them up for, you know, long-term and throw a bunch of money at a young kid at a 21 year old kid. He goes, 
$100 million? Hell yeah, I'm going to sign that. And then if he turns out to be a top 15, top 20 player in the entire league in his professional career, then at that sixth, seventh, eighth year, we might have an absolute all-star at the biggest steal of your life, you know, for the, for the Diamondbacks. And then it, this just looks like the Goldschmidt deal where they gave him, I had to look it up. Um, I exited out of it. Who cares? Um, it was six years for like $32 million for Paul Goldschmidt in 2013. Like this is the same type of thing they're doing with Corbin Carroll. You know, they have this prospect that they believe in and they're locking him up for the long term. Cause at the end of that Goldschmidt deal, like he was outplaying that contract like crazy. And obviously he just won um, the MVP or the NL MVP last year. Right. So, I mean, they, the, the Diamondbacks were basically holding him hostage with what he was getting paid in the production that he was giving the team. So they're going that same approach. And this is what you're going to have to do when you're a small market team, even though we're fucking huge city, you know, but it's just what it is. That's where the D-backs are right now. They can't c- compete with LA, New York, Boston. And this is how they're going to have to play to even try to pull off what the Tampa Bay Rays did that one season where they won, they won the series with that, that team that had that tiny salary cap or excuse me, um, payroll, not salary cap. That's kind of what the, the Diamondbacks are going to have to mirror themselves after. If we want to have any type of run, um, especially any type of run in this division, that is just a juggernaut. So the news is great. Hopefully it works out. If he becomes a, an absolute bum in a couple of years and we sit there and we go, Oh my God, what'd they do? So be it. But I think it's worth the shot, worth the risk. Um, there's a lot of hype around the kid. Um, he's going to be putting butts in those seats for sure. So this was a good move by the Diamondbacks. I, I agree. I mean, you got to do it. You went, like you said, you almost have to money ball it. You rely on the farm and those picks you can get here and there while they're cheap. Corbin Carroll is going to be 30 years old when this contract is up and probably be, if he's playing well, looking for that next contract. And we talk about how ridiculous these baseball contracts are. Mike Trout at 31 just signed a 12 year, $426 million extension. So he'll be 43 when that contract is up. So who knows what kind of money Corbin Carroll could be looking at it. Not saying he's the next Mike Trout, but I mean, this is the type of money that's out there in baseball. Uh, just real quick, another signing I really liked. We got back the sheriff, Andrew Chafin. He's coming back and I think really going to be a good uh, guy in that bullpen that will really help us out. But Mike, I want to kick it over to you for for some of your thoughts here on this D-backs team. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a team that the past three seasons – they finished fifth, fifth, and then fourth last year in the NL West. It's an absolute ultimate uphill battle when you have the Dodgers and now the Padres, teams that are just loading up and paying guys absorbent amounts of money. And I'm so happy and proud of this organization for signing Corbin Carroll. I mean, you're talking about a guy who only played 32 games last year in his first stint in the MLB, but he's shown – enormous amount of promise his speed on the base paths is just wild man that alone will get me out to a game so i can go see that dude be just scooting around there but you know he has huge uh nl rookie of the year favorite odds right now you know you might be just winning a little bit amount of money but it's a good thing to take uh advantage of And you're talking about, you know, we already had a great defensive outfielder with Alec Thomas, 
but you saw the promise and just the overall prospect that Carol is, you got to take advantage and bring him up and, and get him a part of this culture right now. So I'm just super excited. Yeah, and I'll touch back on one thing that Tallman said. I think the biggest thing for this team is going to be what happens with that bullpen. You know, major league worst winning percentage, 0.615 when leading or tied, heading into the sixth. So if we can, you know, have some promise and, and showings with that, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we start taking that next step this year. So I'm super excited to get baseball rolling over here. Definitely going to be making out to a couple of games. But the last thing I'll say about Corbin Carroll is I'm glad they took this route instead of kind of the similar situation that happened with Dansby Swanson and we let him walk. And then he ended up becoming a champion with the Atlanta Braves. So thank goodness, man. Going in the right direction. Finally making the right moves. There's a lot to be optimistic about. I share that same sentiment that I am very excited for this upcoming season. But, guys, we got to get out of here and watch a Suns game. Tallman, do you have any last thoughts on the Suns, Cardinals, or Diamondbacks? No, I just want to throw out a stat here. Um, over the weekend, did you guys see the attendance at that Mexico-USA World uh, Baseball Classic? Wild. In Chase Field, 47,534 fans were in Chase Field for that baseball game. They were nice. probably like, we have never seen this ever in our – just kidding. Obviously, the World Series. But just to think, that amount of people coming out for a baseball game in Phoenix, when you have spring training going on, it's it's incredible. I thought that was really – Really shocking when I read that number. That's like almost the capacity of that entire stadium. I think I just saw it's like 48.5 is the capacity. And we haven't seen the stadium even close to filling up, I think, since like 2001 when when the D-backs were making that World Series run. Eh, probably 2016. Probably mm. 2016 when we made that wild card run. Touche. Mike, what do you got, though? What do you got for the people before we get on out of here? You know what? Got a whole lot coming up, man. March Madness starting this weekend. Make sure you guys are staying tuned to our socials. We'll have our bracket so you guys can challenge us. Probably have some cool prizes for the winners as well. But love y'all, man. We're chopping it up. Cardinals free agency. Let's get some more guys in here. Sons, let's keep the momentum going. Hopefully get this win tonight. Let's keep it rocking, man. Sir, I think it would be huge if the Suns could get this one over the Milwaukee Bucks tonight, but on a back-to-back, -back, it it's going to be tough. I don't want to say I don't have any hope, but we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. But like Michael Benjamin said, make sure you check the description below for that Bracket Challenge link and all of our social medias. We're going to be having a lot of fun here in the month of March and going forward, so want to make sure you're a part of it. Go ahead and leave a comment down below, anything we could have done better or that you think we might have gotten wrong. Uh, always want to hear back from you guys, but we're going to go ahead and sign off. I am Chris Patrick for VSP Tallman and Michael Benjamin. We will see you all next time.